We live in a time where masculinity is shamed and men don't know what it means to be a man. As a pastor and counselor, I've spent the better part of my life equipping and training others. My goal with this show is to translate my hard-earned experience into tools and tactics to help you become stronger as a man. This is the Brave Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bellant. Welcome back to the Brave Co. Podcast. I have my great friend, Cole Zick. What's up, guys? And Cole, you and I, we do this monthly podcast together. Talking about balls (laughs) and penises. Yeah. In hearts. In hearts. Talking about men. Yeah. So, I mean, you're just one of the guys, again, that I love to talk about life with, and you have so much insight and wisdom. You also are the director of Moral Revolution, you and your wife. And so correct. Um, these conversations are easy for you. They are. Um, and today we're going to talk about managing your sex drive. It's a great conversation. I'm pretty I'm excited. managing mine right now. Are you? As we speak. <laughs> no. Yeah, my wife's gone. For five days, lots of management going on over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'll be it'll be an easy conversation then. <laughs> That's right. It's interesting because most men fear their sex drive. Yeah. When I when I look around and it, being in men's ministry and you leading more revolution, we do this with speaking and talking and mm-hmm. I mean we help so many people and just are interacting in this world all the time, constantly. Most men are so frustrated by the sex drive. Yeah. They're so afraid of it. They feel so powerless to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, an, it's a massive area that just feels so, so scary to guys. Yeah. But it was never really designed to be that way. Yeah, totally. Like God didn't, God wasn't like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put something on earth that just torments the crap out of <laughs> It's God. horrible and makes them monsters and makes them disgusting and gross. Yeah, exactly. But I think too, growing up just in the church, you're also kind of taught to fear your sex drive. Well, we're taught to fear a lot of things. Like I grew up to be told to fear alcohol and to fear dancing and we boycotted Disney and we're scared of Disney movies. Okay, well, hold on. Well, because I mean, I don't think you and I are like a a huge proponent of Disney. Yeah, but this was before all the craziness is going on. I'm just like- I remember being told like you couldn't go to school dances because they're from the devil. And like, it's crazy how often yeah. fear has been used to teach and to disciple. So much that you're right. I think the Christian life for a lot of people is is so fear-based. And this topic, especially sex, yeah. it's so scary that most parents never talk to their kids about it except for one time. The, the talk and it's awkward and it's I'm going to say the bare minimum and get out of this conversation as quickly as we can because neither of us really want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and so most guys are just left to like figure out how to, I mean, it really feels like Mad Max, right? It feels like totally, I am, that's such a good analogy. I'm just, I'm fending for myself trying to fight off these like, it's like this big creatures. all for one hundred against a hundred Fortnite battle. Yeah. Let's see if any of you comes away with a victory. Probably not, though. Yeah, totally right. Yeah, and and at the same time, like sometimes it's like, oh, God dang, why did God create the sex drive? Why did He make it so hard? And and <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of puns here. So why did He make it so challenging? <laughs> 
hard was perfect. Yeah, I know. For us to navigate through all this stuff and you know, our sex drive was never meant to torment us. It was never meant to be this thing that that we just, you know, we we loathe having and, and try to escape from all the time. Yeah. But it probably good for us to crack open like what was God's original design for our sex drive. Yeah. I love that topic. Um, and it's a great way to start this conversation because if we're going to manage it, we have to value it, first of all. Like, we have to understand. And the way that I would say it is asking ourselves, do I actually know God's vision for sex? Mm. It's a question most of us have never even thought to ask ourselves. It actually feels a little bit weird. It does feel weird, but it's true. Yeah. Like, God has a vision for sex, otherwise yeah. he wouldn't have created it's it. It's true. Um, he wouldn't have given one, one, in, one thing in particular. He wouldn't have given women the opportunity to have an orgasm. It's a big part of this conversation, actually. Right. Because in, when you look throughout the animal kingdom or you look throughout nature, ejaculation is tied to procreation solely with the exception of female women. Yes. Right? And Absolutely. so you know that, okay, if God did that so... Well, I think like dolphins feel pleasure in it too. We think they do. It's a theory because they mate outside of when the female is in heat, but we don't know for sure. We're not totally sure. We're kind of looking at that, right? So thinking that... But that tells you right off the bat, God's got an opinion and an idea and a purpose for this. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he w- it wasn't, it's not just instinctive. It's not just for the survival of a species. There's more to this for us. And that, to me, is a big indicator. And so that causes me to say, well, then why would God give us a sex drive? What, what is his vision for sex? Why did he make humans the way that he did? Um, you know, and so we've talked about some of this with the science. You know, if you're listening, go back and listen to the science of sex because it helps unpack this a little bit. Yeah, I think that was podcast 36 or something. But the, the ultimate, so to skip over that and assume that you're going to go back and listen to that, he wired in our biology to fulfill his ultimate purpose, which is a husband and a wife would choose each other. That's a big part of this. Your wife's, your, your spouse is the only person you choose. Your parents were chosen for you. Your children were chosen for you. Your siblings were chosen for you. You get to choose your spouse and then your friends. But as far as family relationships go, your spouse is the only one you choose. I really believe that he gave us the sex drive and sex for the purpose of causing us to say, okay, we know the biblical mandate. I'm supposed to leave my family if I have to. Push come to shove. Father and mother are left cleaving to my wife. What God brings together, let nobody separate. Mm -hmm. So if the mandate is, if I have to choose, I'm supposed to choose her. He had to create a bonding agent that was stronger than life experience, stronger than childhood nurturing, stronger than comfort. When I moved out of my parents' 3,000 square foot house, free wow. rent. Bro, that was comfy. That was comfy. We, I moved into a, a tiny little apartment in Sacramento with Caitlin. We did our first budget. We were negative $75 every month. <laughs> What makes it worth it? And I couldn't wait to be broke with her in yeah. this little rundown apartment off of Monroe or, or Fulton Avenue in Sacramento because there's this biological thing drawing me to her that caused illogical romance so that I would fulfill his ultimate mandate. And I believe the reason is, as we see it through scripture, I'm to be to her who Christ is to the church. Mm. That marriage relationship is meant to represent God's desired relationship with humanity. And so that sex drive isn't, it's now packaged in this narrative of, I want an orgasm, I want an orgasm, I want an orgasm. If we strip it down from all of the external 
things that influence it, really what it is, I want my spouse, I want my spouse, I want my spouse, I want my spouse. Mm. Because we learned it through orgasm, we haven't understood it through intimacy. Hmm. Explain that a little bit. So sex being a primarily learned behavior for humans, what we ha- what happened earliest and most often as a child, actually the, the power of first mention, that wins the narrative on sex. Yes. So if I experienced sexuality through pornography, through movies, through coarse joking, through all of these things before I ever got into an, a, an intimate relationship where it was about love, right? So yep. you, your kids are finding porn by 11 years old yeah. these days. Not even porn. They're watching Netflix now with nudity in it, yep. right, at, at 10 years old. Well, the average male doesn't get married till 29 anymore in the United States. So 19 years of sexual experience before they were ever in a covenant marriage. Yeah. It's a long time to be taught, told, and experience what sex is. And almost all of the messaging is, it feels good, get an orgasm. Your brain realizes really quickly, oh, this dopamine release is a really good answer to rejection. It makes me feel a lot better when I'm feeling overwhelmed, right? Your subconscious puts some things together and realizes, holy smokes. So now I get into marriage, I knew lust for so long, my heart can't believe love is real. And because it became all about getting that dopamine fix subconsciously, it became all about chasing that orgasm. Now that it, now it's all this management, whereas that hunger for that moment was meant to be that hunger for your wife. Mm. Yeah. So that when you were in marriage and you were fighting, Divorce didn't come up in the conversation because there was that you were so bonded, you knew you were going to work through it and you were probably going to get to have some awesome makeup sex. All kinds of things going on in the subconscious. Well, when orgasm and sex was just a good feeling to deal with emotional pain for 19 years, well, now we are having to manage our sex drive and we are addicted to that orgasm or that dopamine fix. Yeah. Right? So it... This is a big topic right now that we've been talking about a lot that I'm really passionate about because I want to see marriages in the church celebrate sex, experience beautiful sex in their marriage, know how to talk about it with comfortability and realize, no, this is a, it's very good that I have a strong sex drive towards my wife. That's Mm -hmm. a very good thing. Yeah. I know that, I mean, a lot of guys spend so much time wishing that they didn't have a sex drive Mm -hmm. and the, the challenge is your sex drive will make you do things in a positive sense. Absolutely. That you would never do without it. Absolutely. For instance, the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> or the laundry. Yeah. Folding. I, you, you'd be shocked at how many loads of clothes I have folded. <laughs> I honestly think that it's our sex drive that made guys not just hunt and fish you know, and leave their wives for like ever. Yeah. Because when you think about it, like that drive to bond with my wife, I get five days on, even on a hunting trip. And I'm like, dude, this is fun. I'm ready to get home. No doubt. I'm ready to be with my wife. Yeah. I'm ready to bond with her. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm ready to consummate this marriage again where without that, it's easy just to be like, Absolutely. We're good, you know. Right after sex, it's like, I don't I don't know how I've got way less drive to listen to her emotionally process. Absolutely. Way less drive to show up, 
you know, be present even with the kids way less like this deep desire to bond with my wife drives a whole bunch of this motivation in my life. And it's one of the challenges with guys who masturbate and like take that drive away from themselves is, well, now all the things that, that would have really motivated you to push through this hard conversation with your wife. You don't have them. How many hard conversations do you have with your wife? Because you really want to bond and connect to her. Mm -hmm. So many mm -hmm. that keeps you back in the game. It's true. And if you're self-servicing, you don't have that yearning. It's, I mean, we want to really, especially as Christian and godly men, for those that listen that, that, that say, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. We're supposed to hunger for our wives the way that Solomon talks about it in Song of Songs. Mm. And we're not yearning for her if we're self-servicing. Yeah. It, because it takes that hunger. I mean, you, you think when you're, when you're gone for five days, are you thinking, oh, I really want to see my mom and my dad? <laughs> oh, I, I, gotta, I really want to see my sister. Not at all. I can't wait to get back and see Elijah and Evan and Riley. Maybe Edie because she's so cute. Like bit, yeah. there's a little bit yeah, of drive yeah. there. That's why it's so unique. That's why it's so different from even every other family relationship we have. And it's done so by design. I've never been on a hunting trip and been like, man, I'd rather be with Cole right now. Never. I, I would feel uncomfortable <laughs> if you were, if you ever felt that. But that to me is the beauty of it. That's why it's not dangerous. I shouldn't say it that way. That's why it's not bad or negative. We have to just understand how to manage it so it doesn't turn dangerous. So we utilize it the way God intended it to be. Yeah, my dad talks a lot about the purpose of your sex drive being something that you have to manage and fight for is if there was no drive, there's nothing to manage. It wouldn't really mean anything that you got to marriage. Exactly. Without fighting for mm -hmm. purity, right? Yeah. Or that I go throughout my day and I have no drive at all, zero drive towards any other woman or anything else. Just, I just like me actually choosing my wife in order to choose my wife, I have to be able to choose something else. Absolutely. It'd been like if God Come would on. have programmed all of us just to love him. It'd be the equivalent of only one tree in the center of the garden rather than both. Yes. And these are all real examples of like, listen, we fear our sex drive. We don't like it. We wish we didn't have it. We wish we could run away from it. But you're missing the point. Yeah. The whole point is like, that's what makes you a lover. That's what makes you a savage. That's what makes you a man of character and, and morality and is the fact that you have a choice. Like Adam had a choice and Eve had a choice. You have a choice and that choice looks real good. That's right. Both choices look real good all the time. Like you can have anything you want in the garden. You yep. can have all these luxuries. Just don't eat that one thing. Mm -hmm. Man has always needed We've, he's always needed a, a choice for good and for evil. You see, yep. even in the kingdom of heaven, here we go. So in the kingdom of heaven, there is no lack, right? Yep. There's no sickness. Right. Yep. There's no death. Yep. There's no <clears throat> hunger, starvation. There's none of that. Exactly. And yet you have Lucifer, this beautiful angel with instruments built into him. That's like, you know what? Still wanted more somehow. I want more. Yeah. I don't want to just, I want to be worshiped. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because, man, the moment that you take away that choice, you, you completely miss out on your, your real ability to, to connect, yep. your real ability to, to bond. 
And so if you're wondering like, why did, if you're sitting there like, why did God create our sex drive to be so powerful and, and, and so tempting? It, it wasn't so that you'd fall. Nope. It's so that you had a way to show up. That's right. As a man. It's so that you had a way of really going like, I fought so freaking hard. When I was, man, when I was young, my dad, of course, taught me a lot of the stuff, right? So because I had purpose behind my why, behind why I fought so hard, I remember, uh, like, everyone knows my story. It gets so redundant. But I remember being addicted to masturbation really young, you know, 10, 11, 12. And then 14, I'm addicted to pornography. And it's just like so tormenting. I mean, it's just so yeah. tormenting to be stuck and trapped in pornography and masturbation. And then I remember when I got out of that season, which I'm not going to share that whole story because I've already shared it on this podcast. But I remember when I finally broke free and I had freedom just for a, sh- a short second. Yep. Not that I'd lost it, but I just had gained it, right? Yeah. I'd confessed to my dad and confessed to my sisters and my mom, which was the first freedom that I remember having. Like I just shared these deep, dark mm-hmm. secrets that was scary and shameful. And I remember thinking to myself, I need to remember this moment. I need something that reminds me every single day. How much this hurt. And who I am. Yeah. So I wore white t-shirts every day yep. to high school. And my dad and mom got me a purity ring. And that purity ring every day reminded me what I was fighting for. Mm. And John Elder just says it so beautifully. He says, every man needs a battle to fight, a beauty to win, and um, an adventure to live. Hmm. And so yeah, like, that's really good. could you imagine if I, if I would, like, if I would have never had that battle to fight, well, there's no reason to show up and yeah, be strong. It's true. There's no pride in it. Right. I do. I might as well just chase every girl at school. But the fact that, so I had gone from my sophomore year, I'd gotten real intentional to my marriage, wearing white t-shirts, wearing my purity ring, showing up every single day and going, this is who I am. Like your, your sex drive was supposed to be a training ground before you're married. You have this deep desire, right? You, you go through hormones and once you hit the hormonal stages, 11, 12, 13, mostly for guys it's 12, 13, 14, 15, where your hormones are just freaking raging. And now you're having to learn how to manage that. Yep. Those are the years where you're becoming a warrior. Mm-hmm. You're learning all the skills that it takes yep. to learn how to manage your appetite, which is supposed to transfer over into your appetite for you know expensive cars that you can't afford. Expensive houses that you shouldn't have, right? Like my sex drive when I'm young, I learn how to manage my mm-hmm. desires. I, I learn how to go, wow, I really want this short-term fix. Mm, that's not going to be, by by denying, by being able to deny myself and remember this is what's really going to be gratifying yes. and strengthening that willpower and strengthening those muscles, right? When we're young, it's supposed to set us up for so much success when we're older yeah. because like I already fought that battle. Not, not that my sex drive goes away, Yep. but I have so much internal strength and fortitude, so much mental clarity on who I am and where I'm going and why I'm going there that I have a hundred thousand reasons why this makes sense. So good. And I'm continuing to make a choice that I've always made, but it's so much easier because I made it a long time ago. Yep. And I built out this foundation, this fortitude inside of myself a long time ago. And so a lot of guys are experiencing this 
and I'm going to say something right after this. A lot of guys are experiencing this gap in fortitude and in internal strength and conviction because they've never developed it when they're young. Yes. And so now I've ripped myself off from from this when I was young and, and I've just self-indulged all these years. Now I get a conviction, right? Now I get... Not even say, but I get to this point where I'm like, man, I can't keep looking at porn. Mm-hmm. I can't keep sleeping around. And but now the challenge is it feels so overwhelming. It's not necessarily You've a, built a mountain that you now have to move. Yeah. And so <laughs> why this fight feels so overwhelming is because you ha- you just have a train with tons of momentum. Mm-hmm. And now what you what should have started in your life, and I, I don't say should like in shame. Right. What should have not? What like you the should design. have been taught. You should have had yeah, someone yeah. there to coach you. you, you what should have happened at gradually, right? Ten, you start. Your dad starts to talk to you about women a lot, and in yeah. in a healthy way. And eleven, you're starting to like. Oh, I'm kind of feeling a little bit different, and you're working on. It, you're talking about it. And twelve, my penis and, tingles every now yeah, and then. Yeah, and you have an erection. And your dad explains like, well, all guys get you know a pocket rocket, and <laughs> and you're starting to you know, and then twelve, thirteen, you know, you find the jets on a and a, a hot tub, and you have to go explain that to your dad. Like, wow, that felt really good, and. And he's starting to work you through building character, yeah. building his fortitude. Okay, and say even in saying that, I'm not saying that I don't have temptations. Yep. I'm not saying that I don't have a day where I wake up and I'm like, gosh dang. Like I feel a real pull towards whatever, this individual, or I'm at the lake, I'm at the beach and I feel a real pull. But I have so many years of victory mm-hmm. in history that and I understand the game. Yep. I understand that my sex drive isn't evil. So it takes a whole bunch of frustration out. It's just a fact. The other thing I think trips guys up a lot is they think something's wrong with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember thinking that. And we shared, you know, listen to last month's episode with us. I shared about our relationship. There was a period where I was like, gosh, why do I want sex so bad? What's wrong with me? I must be a monster. Like, I got to be gross. (laughs) You probably are, but yeah. Right? Like, I remember distinctly feeling those things. Yeah. So, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. When Lauren and I were engaged to be married, like right before we got married, we we're starting to have more conversations around sexual expectations. Yeah. And so. And you're expecting it twice a day. Not nine. Nine. I'm so, wow. <laughs> Two to nine. Poor Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> Poor woman. Yeah. Lord, relieve her, please. That's that's not what I ever got, but that was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I was like, listen. I'm more like, like my sexual appetite is more like an animal than it is probably what you have envisioned a man desires. I, it's like. You said that to her? Yeah. It's like, it's it's like, I'm a gentleman. I manage it. Can you picture a lion, what a lion does to a gazelle, Lauren? That's what I want to do to you. Pretty much. Yeah. So I showed her a whole bunch of lion eating gazelles. And and, she married you still. Wow. I mean, I was just being honest. Like I, I am. It's not this super, super like neat, you know, petite, like I'll just, I'm, I'm good, you know? I'm not nibbling, baby. Yeah. I'm taking whole bites. I had a snack earlier. (laughs) 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 I had a snack earlier. I'm good, you know? It's not that. And I think a lot of guys follow me here. Because this is real. I just really want to ask Lauren (laughs) what she felt when you talked. I just want to know what her. I mean, she knows me, right? Like she was. She was. Because 
she had never been sexually active. Right. And I had had 10 years of marriage before this too. And I, you know, again, like I'm not saying that that's that I'm going to act out on all of it. Yeah. But at the same time, like I have way different sexual preferences than she has. And you know yours. She doesn't even know hers yet. And I didn't want her to have. I'm going to show you what you like, baby. Yeah. Yeah. You're weird. (laughs) I I didn't want her to have this expectation of me that I'm like her. Yeah. And that's normal. Yeah. Because I'm not like her. I'm yep. nowhere near like her when it mm-hmm. comes to my sexual preferences yeah. and my desire for all kinds of different things. But I think yeah. because so many men have shame, which shame is I am something wrong. Something's wrong with me. Yep. They have so much shame around their sex drive, their sex sexual appetite, that, and they don't understand it, that that's actually the real battle. Yes. As opposed to if they could just go, my sex drive, my sex appetite is pretty normal. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I'm going to push an edge here. Push it. Yeah, which maybe tell me if we should edit this out. But Let's just step over it. <laughs> we're about to. <laughs> it's interesting that in the Bible, so it doesn't talk about masturbation in the Bible. Right. But it does talk about having sex with animals in the Bible. Yep. And it's specifically like, this is a sin. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Leave that poor dog alone. Why did it say that? Like, why did God have to clarify Hey, this sex, this sexual appetite that you have. Mm-hmm. Well, you had to clarify it because guys would have done Someone that. Someone was, or they were already were doing it, or they were doing it, and he's going like policies created because of past experience, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> and I'm not saying that I run around having all that, but I am saying like, no, your sex drive, your sex appetite, it has very little limitations on it. It's up to us to manage it. So my dad says this a lot. He's, he says, you are not your desires, right? You yes. are the virtues and values that you embrace. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of guys struggle. They struggle. Same-sex attraction is one of those. If we can yep. just talk about that for a second. And we won't dive super deep into that because that's not this conversation. But a lot of guys, you know, uh, they don't understand attraction in general. Yes. And they misunderstand wow, this deep bond that I feel with you, they go, oh, that must be sexual. Yep. And then they link it you know, sexually. And there, there's a whole other thing behind that. But again, you are not the, you're not your temptations. You're not the product of your thoughts and your temptations. No, you are the virtues and values that you embrace. And yes. so we have this drive. We have this massive drive that points us towards a lot of things. And sometimes that's the girl at the beach. And you're like, whoa, I could feel my drive going, hey, you should check that out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just un, there's not a lot of boundaries on it. Yep. And it's up to us to go like, uh, bad choice, bad option that leads to death and destruction. I'm going to point all of my power, all of my, all of my, um, attention, all of my focus to you, one woman. Absolutely. To you. And so I didn't just choose my wife once. I didn't choose her on our wedding, you know, and say, I'm, I'm marrying you. And then my drive is I'm marrying you for the day is only pointed towards her. It's yep. like, I just focused in on it and therefore, and I locked it in and now I can go do whatever I want for the rest of my life. And I feel no pull. Yep. I'm constantly recalibrating, constantly redirecting, constantly refocusing, constantly going, yeah, that's a bad option. Yeah, no, that's not what I really want. Mm, Sounds great for a moment. And and choosing her. Yep. Bringing this back into focus, bringing this back into attention. The same way that I'm constantly refocused, recalibrating back onto God. Yep. 
back, Absolutely. back onto like, man, there's a whole bunch of things that seem fun to chase right now. I'm choosing God. And this is so huge, Jay, because this isn't, now we're not even just talking male sexuality. We're talking culture right now. Yeah. We don't really deprive ourselves of anything in our culture. This, the, no, this, we're entitled to it all. Yeah, we're entitled to it all. We are assuming that this is ours for the taking. Do what you want when you want. I would propose that that's what makes us human is the malleability of our brain that mm -hmm. we've now discovered. Again, go back to the science lesson and here. Our brains are so changeable, even yep. at our age, yep. 40s, 50s, your brains are changeable. I'm only 39, but I'm almost 40. You're still a pro. They're changeable. That's why this is so important. I can change my brain all the way down to a point where I need God to clarify a scripture that says, don't do it with animals. Yeah. Right now, you said that to me today, I'd be like, you're out of your mind. Why would you even consider that? That verse was not necessary. I don't know that there wouldn't be a malleable, because of how changeable our brains are, that's why we have to live by our virtues. Yes. That's why it's so critical for us to do that. And I would say that's the thing that differentiates us from animals. This is the thing, the freedom of will yeah. and the malleability of our decision-making in our brain is what makes us human. This struggle that we're talking about yeah. is what makes us human. Yeah. That's why we should embrace this struggle. That's why yeah. I, as a dad, love the opportunity to teach my boys this, yeah. to teach my kids this. It's true. Because I'm getting to watch them have self-control when they didn't want to have self-control. Yeah. It's hard to teach it. I'm getting to watch them work through pain when they didn't want to work through pain. All of these little things are preparing them to make healthy choices, to be the best malleable, virtue-based, core value-driven man that they can possibly be. And here's the deal. When... You get to a point where you don't fear it, but you honestly really embrace it. And then you start to go, okay, how am I going to become strong and powerful in it? Mm -hmm. It's That's where the freedom lies. Absolutely. Is I'm not going to put myself in really dumb situations, right? So I'm not going to be stupid about it. I'm not going to go to Playboy Mansion and become a evangelist there and try and get a bunch of people saved, you know, and be idea. reckless. Uh, at the same time, I'm not going to go hide in a closet. Yep and put on you know put in earplugs and put on dark sunglasses and pretend that women don't exist yep like i'm gonna learn how to manage this thing inside me which we'll talk about in a little bit but the other thing i wanted to bring up is there are certain aspects of being married that are harder than not being married when it comes to managing your sex drive mm -hmm. for instance uh, and you can share a little bit too but for instance before you're married you're not constantly, you don't have the possibility of having sex all the time if you're not going and sleeping around with girls, right? Right. So before I was married, and let's talk about my divorce. So I go through a divorce. So I go 10, 10 years of being sexually active and then overnight zero, which was interesting. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I called Danny Silk and I was like, hey, uh, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> he's like get married son yeah he said well can't do anything that you have to undo when you get married what a good line why is he such a genius yeah i mean yeah yeah i don't know so that is such a good line yeah so i just i mean right away it's like well i'm not gonna go masturbate a whole bunch yeah because i'm just gonna have to undo that yeah 
And I'm not going to get addicted to porn. I'm going to have to undo that. You're going to have to undo that. You know, you're not going to go chase a bunch of girls because you're going to have to undo, have to undo that. that. Yeah. Wow. So it's like, well, okay, I'm basically back to 15. Gosh, I'm stealing that line from him. That is so good. Yeah. And I don't know that he actually said that exact thing, but that was the point of what well, he said. Well, then I can give you credit for no, it. I don't give it. Either way, matter. it's being Give strong. yourself credit for it. <laughs> but that became my, okay, so I'm back to, I'm back to 15. Yeah. I'm back to purity, back to fighting for it. Put on that white shirt, buddy. Yeah. But you just get locked into this zone. You get yeah. locked into this mode of like, these things aren't an option. This, this. You had to be like testy and short and sharp, at least for a season. Violent. Just absolutely violent. <laughs> <laughs> like, you come into a meeting and you're trying to make a decision. Just like, yeah, fine, do whatever you want. But here's, here's what I'm talking about though, is you can get into this mode where you just, it's like, and I'm going to explain this. You could, I could get back into this mode of like, I'm just not going to go there. I'm not going to let my mind go to this spot where, you know, when your wife gets home and this is what I'm about to talk about when your wife gets home or when you come home from a trip, let's talk about when you come home from a trip and you're just freaking like you're buzzing. I got some expectations got tonight, some baby. Yeah. And, and you, then you see your wife and you could tell it's, she has, she's carrying that look. She's the look is fatigue. The look is, stop touching me the way you're thinking. Fatigue. You give her that long hug. Stop touching me with that thought. She's intentionally yawning in front of you. On purpose. I'll let you know. She's setting the table. Here's where I'm at. Yeah. But you look. Oh, the kids. But you look right past that, right? We can get over that, babe. Don't worry about that. Yeah. And it's all unspoken. Who do you need me to discipline for you? Come here, kids. Yeah. You're doing extra long hugs. And she's doing the like quick let go. She's not hugging you long. You're she hugging her. She pats the back. Yes. You get a pat on the hug. 100%. <laughs> and then it finally comes down to this point. For the non-married guys, this is so true right this now. This is what's happening. It finally comes down to this point, right? Now, you're harder than a brand new set of woodpecker wood lips. <laughs> you couldn't even say it yeah. <laughs> And it's about, you know, there's this pivotal point in the night when you have to say something or it's not going to happen. You have to finally take that risk. <laughs> or you're risk. not sleeping. Well, or, or you're going to miss your window because she's, she's already in bed. Like, it's done. And it's it, not like a big bay window. No, it's a small If you can picture a, 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 a building in the Midwest where there's this tiny little window along the ground that you could just barely squeeze in to get into the basement. While you're driving window. a car, so you have to nail it perfect. That's the not window happen. that we're talking about. And so you take that move, you make that move, and you say, hey, 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 hey babe, um, what do you think about having sex tonight? And she gives you that, it ain't going to happen. It's not happening. That's a harder moment. And it's at the same time, it's a softening moment as well. (laughs) (laughs) Because now you're angry. That's a harder moment than than most moments that you'll have as a single guy. And and here's why is because you had all this visualization. You have all this anticipation. You have all this expectation. You really want to connect with her. I was borderline offensive in the last flight home in my brain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And now you've been, okay, it's even worse if you get rejected. Yep. If she, if she does, if she said, if she doesn't do this, like, oh, babe, 
I love you so much. And I know it's been long and I really want to connect with you. You're still a little pissed off because you're so up. You're yeah. not, you're literally on drugs. You're, yes. you are not <clears throat> in your normal state of mind. Yeah. You can handle that. But if she does anything adverse to that, like, God, what's wrong with you? You've experienced a rejection. So can I pause a sec? Yeah. Do you know how much dopamine's released in the anticipation of something before you've even done the act? More than the actual orgasm. You get more in the excitement. So you are coming into this moment with dopamine before you've even walked through the door. That's why I say that you are literally on drugs. It's crazy. It is crazy. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But then if you don't get it, right? And then you're just... Then you're so far up. Yep. And you experienced a rejection. If she doesn't let you down well. So in marriage, for married couples who are listening to this, what's really helpful for the guy is if you don't just shut him down. If you say, hey, tomorrow, like point all your hopes, point all of your expectations towards this date. Hey, babe, let's let's pick this up tomorrow. Can you come home for lunch? I'll drive the kids to school. Let's do a morning. Let's pick this up tomorrow. If you give him a place to like land his hopes and expectations instead of this, like, God, what's wrong with me? Uh, I don't, I'm not even there. Like we've already, you always come home and okay. Now he's experiencing this rejection. Mm -hmm. That's really hard to pick yourself up off the floor from Yeah, because you had all this expectation, all this hope, all this. And that's a hard moment. Yep. Single guys, there's lots of hard moments. But one of the nice things for a single guy is you can just set your expectation ahead of time. Yeah. You can go, listen, this is the mode that we're in. Yep. We are in this mode for fighting for purity, for fighting for holiness, for, and of course, what's harder for, what's more challenging for a single guy is the fact that it can feel really lonely. You can get into this lonely place where, man, I haven't been, not only have I not been hugged, but I can't really like enjoy a hug like that. And so yeah. you have to meet that need of connection completely different than, than a married guy. Yep. It's good. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit, just super practical. Let's dig down deep and get really practical on what it looks like to manage your sex drive. Yeah, that's great. Um, I would say the first one, and it goes all the way back to something that we brushed on a few minutes ago. <clears throat> How good at you in gen- how good are you in general at teaching yourself self-control and restraint? Like are you good at saying no to yourself in other areas? Mm. I would just because I do think it's a cultural challenge right now. And I think it's really important when you begin to build the habit of saying no to the extra bowl of sugar, the extra bowl of ice cream. You teach yourself to push through the pain on something. You you know, certain, I, most people that I've found that, especially ones that are just, man, I'm looking at pornography every single day where it's like, this has gotten out of control. They're actually also noticing, I don't have control in other areas as well. So a big part of managing your sex drive is actually don't make it about the sex drive at first. What am I doing to teach myself mental self-control in other areas? Mm. What am I teaching? How am I teaching myself to say no to that third episode in a row row that I want to watch on Netflix right now and just binge past a healthy point in the evening when really I should probably go to bed to be ready for the next day. Those little things you're teaching your brain, hey, I have limits and those limits are for a reason and they're to help me be better at what I want to be really good at. Yeah. So discipline and willpower are muscles that we grow in our lives. Yeah. And you also build confidence and you build momentum with yourself as well. Exactly. And so the more you learn how to delay gratification in your life, 
Gosh, it helps so much. And the other thing is what you're also doing is you're also lowering and decreasing the amount of dopamine that you're intaking on a day-to-day basis, right? So if you just go binge a bunch of sugar all the time, gosh, now you're fighting against your body's natural desire or even unnatural desire to crave sugar, to, to push you past the limits. So think about it. A life of indulgence has this mo- this momentum that always makes you want to indulge more. Exactly. And it's because you are li- you're literally an addict. You're an addict to overindulgence. Mm-hmm. And it's in <clears throat> it's in binge watching TV, it's in, you know, eating sugar, it's in you know, oversharing your emotion. Like you're just you are every you know, a lot of areas of your life will just become this place is just binge factory. Yeah. And so I you're it's so true Cole like when we can start to dial down the amount of dopamine that our body's craving unhealthily, yeah, then you're really satisfied with the small things. Yep, that's it. And, and that becomes true. You you really can get yourself to a point where I'm not I'm not freaking out that I'm not having a bowl of ice cream right now. Yeah, exactly. I'm not freaking out that I'm not having sex with a girl right now, or that I'm not in some some relationship, like some entangled relationship with a woman right now. Yeah. Because I have uh, abstained, is that the right word? Yeah. Yeah, I've abstained from all these things in my life that are unhealthy. Well, and what it does is it purifies your motives. Yeah. Your motives on every area begin to get pure again and you realize, oh wow, I was actually wanting that for this reason or I was, I went at this particular situation with this person with this approach and tone really only because I was trying to get something. You actually begin to realize, oh, I'm not addicted to dopamine and now I'm getting back down to the root core of why I'm doing what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And it's a really great place to live. Yeah, so for for those of you out there that are like, man, I feel like I'm overboard on dopamine, do a dopamine detox <clears throat> Yep. in your life. So start to to pull back in the areas that are releasing tons of dopamine unnecessarily in your life. So people might not know what those are. I think it would be good to give them some examples of what those things might be. Yeah, so you can go as crazy or as little as you want. And I'd recommend going starting small at first. Yeah. But for instance, like let's talk about a full board dopamine detox. Um, one of them that I saw is literally a guy will spend uh, 24 to 48 hours in a room without moving. Without doing anything. Holy smokes. I'll tell you right now, I could not do that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just going to the far end of the spectrum to show everybody. Yeah. Okay. So if you, like not walking, not doing any of that. And and I'm not saying that I'm recommending living Mm -hmm. that lifestyle. Yeah, right. But as a, so, okay, let's go one level less. One level less is you don't do any TV. You don't do any exercise. We're talking about 24 hours. Yeah. And do any exercise. Uh, you don't do any interaction with other human beings. So you can do your your normal life without TV, uh, any excess connection with human beings. Screens, phone, if you're on a, be- a sports betting app, if you're yeah. on games, if whatever yeah. that is. No outside stimulation. Yeah. You're just really alone with your thoughts yeah. inside of yourself, you know. Um, and I would incorporate fasting with that as well. Oh, yeah. Food's a big dopamine yeah, yeah. release. Sugary food. Yeah. So you can just go one step less than that, right? So turn it down. Instead of doing level 10, we just did a level 9, level 8. So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to fast food. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fast food, but I'm, st- I'm going to have interaction with people. And I'm going to yeah. um, I'm gonna exercise. 
It's like, cool, that's great. You can still get your dopamine hit from exercising, mm-hmm. from hanging out with people, but you're not eating food. Yep. And you can go one level less than that. So, I mean, there people can Video look games up, are big dopamine release. Yeah. yeah. Movies. And TV then you shows. can just extend that, right? So you can yeah. start to extend that. You're like, okay, well, what can I sustain? What can I sustain? So for people who just want to do a dopamine reset, those are good options. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to fast for a couple of days and I'm going to have minimal interaction with some people and I'm just going to reset and, yeah. and whatever up my spiritual life. Well, and here's the deal. We're going to find, like I stopped doing sugar. What are, what are we in? Three months ago. Oh, I was going to say an hour ago. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, started, I stopped doing sugar three months ago. And I'm like, I, I like the results so much. I haven't, yeah. like I'll still have a bowl of ice cream on the weekends or something. Like I'm not as like diet, quite as diehard as you or you it doesn't, mm-hmm. no sugar shall touch my lips. Yeah. But in the results, you get to the other side and this is something I always tell my boys, the best results in life are on the other side of discipline. A hundred percent. They are the they are on the other side of doing the hard things. And you, we teach ourselves that. So we do these detox, we cut these things out and I cut out sugar. I didn't have a set date in mind, but now I'm like, I don't think I'll ever go back. Like I love the results physically, mentally that I'm getting so much. The reward of being mentally clear, of having more energy. I was up at 5.30 this morning. I feel great right now. Well, I'm gonna stop till late tonight and I'm gonna feel so good. And I would have never been able to do that four months ago. Yeah, right. I so can vouch for that. The results feel that's actually, you're going to find yourself, wow, the other side of discipline, there's some unbelievable results to self-discipline that I like this way better than the momentary rush I got four months before with a Coke. Yeah. Right? It's so true. M- moving on. So I think, you know, under- understanding that a lot of what you're craving is that is that hit from dopamine. So yep. doing a detox is, is really awesome. I think another thing that is really helpful is understanding what's driving your sex drive. So this is really simple and really complex all in the same time. We'll make it really simple. But oftentimes <clears throat> it's not the actual desire to have sex with my wife that's driving my sex drive. Yep. It's my frustration with my life right now. Mm-hmm. It's the irritation that I'm going through. Being overwhelmed, it's, being exhausted. Yeah. It's, uh, I feel like a failure. Being bored. I want to feel powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being bored. And that's a completely different ball game than I just, just purely solely want to connect with my wife. Yeah. Or purely solely, I'm a single guy. Just want, I, like my pure desire for a woman is completely different than I feel insignificant as a man. Right. Or I'm using, my brain's using this to cope as a, like a mental Advil to cope with a point, pain point in my life. Yeah. So being able to recognize your triggers, recognize your red flags. Yeah. What is the underlying driver? And I'll give a really good example. When Lauren and I were dating, we had this goal, right? And we had boundaries. The goal was to get to marriage uh, pure, having built a foundation of trust long before we ever said yes to one yeah. another, okay? So that that's a, a basic goal. And then we have boundaries, right? And the boundaries are there to help to fortify that. But also it's helpful to know where boundaries because then you know you're crossing it. Yeah. So boundaries would be like uh, no touching her breasts and no going down pants and simple stuff yeah no making out that type of deal and 
those boundaries were really easy to keep if I wasn't overtired, if I wasn't feeling insecure, mm-hmm. if I wasn't feeling lonely, if I wasn't angry. The moment I felt really insecure, and I can remember lots of moments, like yeah. tons of moments. I can remember we had this incredible date to um, <clears throat> Ashland, Oregon, mm-hmm. like this amazing date. And it was probably three weeks into When you're in Reading, you're excited to go to Ashland, Oregon. Yeah, it's a cool place. So we had this crazy good date. And it just took our relationship to the next level, uh, emotionally. We just like, wow, we had this really cool moment. Well, all of a sudden, I realized on the drive home, I'm so much further along emotionally than she is. And then I got really insecure. Like, I want her way more than she wants me right now. And now I want to get her to say that she likes me like I like her. Yeah. So... I, but I'm aware That's of this. really good, Jay. So I'm realizing while I'm driving in the car, I want to push her physically further so that she emotionally so comes So she can further. catch up to you. Yeah, because I feel so vulnerable out here. Not vulnerable like healthy vulnerable. I feel like I want her to like me like I'm liking her, and we just had this really cool moment, and I don't know if this cool moments are going to Did it land going. the same way with her that it landed with me? Dude, so yeah. I, I literally spent the two-hour drive back to Reading and this is what I said to myself. I kept reminding myself, do not open her up emotionally. Do not get her to say, gosh, I really like you. Do not push the envelope emotionally. Mm-hmm. So I wake up, we're gonna have a date the next day, right? We're gonna get breakfast together. I woke up the next morning. And you know when your brain has been awake all night and you wake up and it's like, oh, good. And you're just, I was just exhausted. But I woke up feeling way more insecure than even when I got home. Wow. I was like, crap, because that's a problem. Normally the sleep at least is the reset for those emotional moments. It wasn't. I woke yeah. up and I was like, man, I like her more right now. And my brain was didn't know what to do with like, you really like her. You're moving forward emotionally and mentally with her, like in your own heart. Yeah. But like, she might not like you like you like her. And I had to text her and just go like, hey, I need to, like, I got to take care of some stuff personally just here. I didn't like let her in like I'm having this really vulnerable moment right now. I think I like you more than you like me. Yeah. I can't go to breakfast with yeah. you. I just said, hey, I need a little bit more time. Yeah. And I spent so much time just trying to solve this insecurity. It's great. This Jay. fear. And I refused to go be with her until I solved this because what happens, right? What happens is her and I get together, the movie's playing, her roommates leave. We're a little bit sleepy. Now my defenses are down. I'm also feeling really insecure. Instead of making out with her just because I want to make out with her, no, I've got this massive insecurity that's driving me. And we have the same thing happen with our at home with our wives, right? Just because I'm married doesn't mean I don't go through that yep, stuff. It's true. And then I'm I'm pushing my wife to do stuff because simply because I feel out of control in this other areas yeah. of my life. And she becomes now she's in a place of God. Yeah. She's my source for direction, protection, comfort, unconditional love, healing. You know, she becomes my source for all these things. And so I think a lot of guys, we need to get our needs met. We need to get our pain points met. We need to get our insecurities met in a way and and addressed in a way so that we're not using our sex drive. We're not having to overmanage our sex drive to, to compensate for our pain, our frustrations are, 
because most of the wiring for men is you feel lonely, go act out sexually. Yep. You feeling insecure, go act out. Like totally. that's just your brain's doing that math. It's done that math for so long that now that's the simplest path. Oh, you're, you're feeling tired? Watch a little porn. Yep. And you can, you know, you can have an orgasm and go to bed. And your brain's so used to doing that math that, man, we have to really actually be aware of our pain points so that we can manage our sex drive. Yep. It's great. Yeah. I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> Amen. Do you have anything you want to add? I would say the third thing that you could do to manage your sex drive, and I don't like just because of how people associate what they associate to accountability. I don't necessarily love that word, but it's really good and healthy and it does help describe it. But really what I would encourage is even more than that is just leaning into deep, healthy relationships yeah. with friends, with people, letting yeah. people in. Can I say that? Can I add this to it? Yeah. That have a standard. That have, that have a standard at your level or even better than your level because that is huge. We, you're not going to do it alone. When you first started getting off of sugar, who were you thinking about when you first got off sugar? Your face was in my brain. Um, it's probably true though. Huh? I mean, there's truth to that for sure. Cause Jason's like, don't, oh, you, you, you just, he you. sugar shames you. I hounded Jason you for so long about will sugar. sugar shame you. Um, I think that what was in my brain was all of the things I wanted to accomplish that I didn't think I would be able to That's with right. my current health habits. Yep. And moving into this new year, I knew I've got a lot more on my plate now. I'm doing a lot more things. I've got to get up earlier to get all of this done because I need to do it without my family paying the price time-wise, right? And so looking and seeing what my kids are going to need from me, what my wife needs, what friendships need, what th th I need to accomplish in, a, in work and in, in, in my job, I realized I've got to do this. And then, so... You know, I think those were the people there. I think what I, for me, I'm pretty like everybody's my accountability partner. So as soon as I came back to the office, I'm like, hey guys, I'm gonna eat sugar. Yeah, you just put it right out. I there. put it out, and they're like, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm I'm done sugar for how long? Indefinitely. That's a big. I just made a huge accountability statement, letting the people that are in that room in because now, like, I can't now have a coke next week. Because <laughs> I just said I'm not doing sugar, right? Yeah. And so, like it's it's accountability. But really, what I what I would say even more is it's practicing vulnerability. Like we're practicing that with the people that are the closest in our life. If we haven't went to those deep conversations with people, uh, it, we got to push ourselves to do that and it, be willing to have the like. Who are we letting in when it's hitting the fan? You know what else is happening? You're pre-prepping your environment for success. Yep. Yeah, that's good. So you're ahead of time going, I don't, I'm not eating sugar. Okay, great. Don't buy, don't buy sugar. Mm -hmm. Like don't put that temptation in there. Yep. And then what can we pull out of our cupboards that makes this decision easier as well? Totally. It took time for Caitlin. She kept buying stuff. I'm like, oh babe, I'm not doing sugar. She goes, oh, I forgot. You're really still doing that? I'm like, yeah, like don't buy sugar creamer. Creamer in my coffee was a big thing. Yeah. I haven't put sugar in my creamer or my coffee. Yeah. She can't believe it. But yeah. you had to, I had to condition her and get her like, I had to actually, for her, because of sugar for me, I actually had to prove to her that I was serious. That's yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The other thing too is when you have a group of guys, 
I'm just going to say guys because mostly we're addressing guys. When you have a group in, of guys in your life that you know are living at the same standard, yeah, it's so much easier. It's way easier because uh, we make each other better. Like the language that you that you talk about helps sharpen. I remember moving to when we moved to Bethel six years ago and getting to know the guys. So much of the conversations centered around being a dad, being a husband. Man, I can't wait to go to this worship night and be in the presence of God. Where we came from, we never talked about those things. Yeah. We never talked about how good of a dad are you being? Are you are you listening to your kids? Are you engaging with their heart? And not that there was anything wrong with where we came from, but the nat- the na- natural response yeah. from being in an environment where those were the things we were talking about. Do you know what I started working to get better at? All those things. All of those things. Yeah, so our group of friends, we've done marriage stuff together, not just hanging out, but actual marriage courses and classes together. Um, I work out with, with, I've got a friend that I work out with, you know, four days a week. Uh, I've done lots of discipleship um, with those friends too. And so like after the long range shooting school that we did in Wyoming, I did uh, 18, 18 weeks of discipleship with these guys. And what happens is they know that when I go home, I'm paying attention I'm being present with my wife and kids the same way that they're being present. And it raises the level. It's not just accountability like, oh, have you looked at porn? No, he's even asking that question. Exactly. Because you're asking a much deeper question Mm -hmm. all the time. And that deeper question is like, hey, how intentional are you being at home? Yeah. You know, and it's just, I know the the environment. So a lot of guys got to get rid of guys. That's true. You got to get rid of that guy who's using you to make himself feel good. It's true. He, he you know, and, and we all have a little bit of sixth grader in us. We suppress him. Mm-hmm. But if you have a friend that's only in sixth grade and he's still married, you know, yeah. he's married. It's like, you got to get rid of that guy. I want to say this, and I'm not saying that you should make this a rule to add on to this. But this is something that we do. Caitlin and I try to do intentionally we allow the people close to us into the deepest and the most painful parts of our life. Whereas I know a lot of people, if they're looking for a counselor, they want a counselor that nobody knows. Yeah. And that nobody, and, and I'm not even knocking that. Like I'm not telling people to sure. or to not do that. But like one of the things that helps me be a better parent is knowing my boys love Jay and they're going to ask to talk to him. Yeah. And when they ask to talk to him, I need to have parented well. Not because I think you're going to judge me or, yeah. but out of accountability with my friendship with you, I want to, you to know, Hey, I'm doing the best that I can to parent and that I'm not going and finding a random person into my deep, painful moments. Yeah. I'm bringing the people that know me, that know Caitlin, that know my boys. And I think that's for us, it's Caitlin and I, I think it's actually been a guidepost that's helped us in these things where it's right. It's not accountability in the rudimentary sense of, I'm struggling with this thought, though those conversations happen. It's more, I'm living an accountable lifestyle and I'm being accountable to the people around me so that they're in the, every part of my life. They have access everywhere. Yeah. A lot of people ask me, like, do you counsel your friends? You don't counsel your friends, do you? That would be weird. I'm like, well, why would I want to use my gift on random people? Yeah. Like if you were a plumber, wouldn't you help your friends if they needed help? Totally. You know, like uh, I just invited my parents into our financial world. Yeah. Like, hey, mom and dad, we're trying to grow our financial situation. Mm-hmm. You know, w- would you come in and look at where we're spending money, how we're spending money, and help us yeah. sort out this area? Like, I want the people in my life 
who have the most authority, yep, the most ability to hurt me because they also have the most ability to bring me up. So, Absolutely. you know, a lot of people need, you got those friends that are, man, they're, they're swimming in the swamp and it's not like pull away from them because they're not Christian. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got to get strong. Yep. And oftentimes in order to get strong, my dad used to say this to me all the time. He said, if you're not the one influencing, if you're being influenced by your friends negatively and you're not the one influencing, you got to cut that off. Yep. But if you're influencing, great. That's yep. perfect. So, you know, it's uh, building a group of men around you that so are on good. the same track. Yep. It's massive. That's it. Cool. Well, I hope this helps a bunch of guys. It'll help the ones that listen to it all the way through. Yeah, I think so. If you listen to this point, I think you will. it will help you. Yeah. Guys, I, I want you to walk away understanding that nothing's wrong with you. Yep. Because you have a sex drive. Mm-hmm. God gave it to you. He's got a vision for it. Yeah. I want you to grab a vision, a real vision behind your life and the man that God's called you to be. Yep. And then from there, like, man, let's strengthen ourselves. Let's strengthen our decision-making. Let's strengthen our willpower. Let's strengthen our discipline. Not just rely on those things, but let's let's do some delayed gratification, right? Yep. M- move those things out of our life that we need to take a break from Yep. The, and get stronger. And then, golly, start really addressing the pain points in your life that, that you need to focus yeah. on the triggers, the red flags, those, the loneliness, the isolation, the tiredness, start addressing those things so that they're not needlessly taking you down the road and lying to you. Like, Oh, you got a sex problem. Like no, you have a pain problem. Mm-hmm. You, you've got some holes in your life that need to be filled a little bit. Yeah. And then from there, get into a group, get into guy, a group of men that are kicking butt, taking names and uh, put yourself amongst them. Yeah. And that will help you. Men, thank you so much for listening today. Cole, thank you for coming on. You're the best, man. You're welcome. I appreciate it. And guys, if you like what we're doing, subscribe. Right? You're crazy if you're not subscribing to this this stuff. It's free. And go ahead and like, comment, share it with a friend who needs to hear this. And uh, we will see you next week. Stay brave, gentlemen. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Brave Co. Podcast. If you like this podcast, would you please rate it, review it, leave us a great comment. And if you like this episode in particular, share it with your friends and family. That helps us to spread the word. Guys, stay brave. We'll see you next week.